I have said before, and I'll say again tonight, that I do not believe that Mr. Trudeau is a real feminist. Damn, I think, Ms. Hall, Trudeau. you'll perhaps understand that I won't take lessons on caucus management from you. And I we have not stood up for the 300,000 Canadians in Hong Kong. We've not fought for the two Michaels and put pressure on the communist regime. The cost of inaction is an entire town of Lytton being wiped out by a climate forest fire. Welcome to the Ballot Box. Welcome back to the Crossboard Interview Podcast. We are live after the first and only to date federal election uh, debate with all five of the major party leaders, the Liberals, Justin Trudeau, Conservatives, Aaron O'Toole, NDP, Jagmeet Singh, Annemi Paul for the Greens, and Yves Francais Blanchet. I I'm pronouncing his name wrong. I do apologize for the Bloc Quebecois. Uh, today, we are going to be sitting down, actually tonight, as, as it's after the debate, we are sitting down with uh, representatives from the, I would say, three major parties here in Alberta, the Liberals, the Conservatives, and the NDP. So without further ado, I'm going to bring them on. Uh, I'm just going to do a quick round table just to introduce everyone here, so that way everyone knows who you are. For the uh, Conservatives, we have returning guest, as always, Conservative Like Me podcast host, Jennifer Sanford. Hello, Jen. Hello, great to be here. Uh, for the NDP, we have returning guest as well, Aiden Thoreau from the Fort Saskatchewan Sherwood Park NDP candidate. Well, Aiden Thoreau. So, Aiden, thank you so much for being here as well. Thank you for having me, Chris. And last but not least, a newcomer to the show. Uh, I reached out to him on social media. Actually, he reached out to me after I put out a call. Mr. Uh, Mr. Robert Tremblay for the Liberal Party. He is a volunteer and organizer with the Sabrina Grover campaign down in Calgary Center. Rob, thank you so much for doing this. And I do hope I pronounced your last name correctly. Yep, that's awesome. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thank you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Uh, let, let's jump into it because, like I said uh, in the pre-interview, that we have about a half hour to kill here, and I want to make sure we get to as much things as possible. Uh, the first is we had the first, and like I said, only English debate. Uh, and I want to get your impressions on this. Uh, I will start with a, a pro at the podcast game, Miss Jen Sanford from the Conservative Like Me podcast. How did you feel about the format and the setup of this federal debate, Jen? You know, I'm a big fan of the moderator. I think she, being a person outside of the Ottawa infrastructure, did a great job of trying to keep everything on track and brought a fresh perspective to it. So I think that that's something that the debate commission should look at moving forward is how do you select someone who has almost an economist or an analytical mind with some experience in journalism? I really felt strongly um, that two things were a mismatch. The first was uh, the journalists that were selected were far too combative. Um, you know, I have a, a high level of frustration for how they inserted themselves into the debate. I think that there is a big wide difference between being part of the of the question answer infrastructure and holding leadership to account. And I don't think that that was well identified. And the other thing that I think really was a problem is that, you know, in this country, we pride ourselves on being a marketplace of ideas. We had someone representing Quebec who talked about Quebec and, you know, like even 
Francois Blanchet is, he's like my partner's ex-wife, really pretty to look at, but kind of a little bit psycho. So, I mean, it was great to have him there, but I do think we were missing Maxime Bernier. And while I understand the argument against giving the PPC a platform at a time when their numbers are rising and people are participating in their debates, I think it was a really oppor- a real missed opportunity to see his message polarized and allow people to really evaluate either what they're signing up to support or what's in their political infrastructure. So overall, those are those are my thoughts on on how the debate came together. What about yourself, Aiden? Uh, Jugmeat seemed to be stuck between Mr. O'Toole and uh, Mr. Trudeau throughout the night. I think that was to his benefit because he was able to point back and forth. But for the format of the show, for the debate, I should say, it wasn't really a show, it was a debate. How did you feel that it went over? Uh, well, I mean, you know, as far as political debates go, uh, personally, I'm more of a fan of uh, this kind of format of just long haul conversations. I've always considered the, you know, you have two minutes to give your entire policy platform uh, to be sort of the WWE equivalent of political engagement. It's not typically all that productive, in my opinion. It's more just, uh, you know, you want to see these guys running against each other, uh, clash heads. Uh, with that said, yeah, tonight's wasn't the best. Um even among that, uh, didn't feel very productive. Um, as Jen had said, it did feel like some of the uh, journalists were being a little too combative, uh, you know, as if they wanted to be on the debate stage themselves. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, you know, it was still an exciting night, I'll say that. Uh, and uh, yeah, looking forward to talking about it. Um, Rob, for those who had probably never tuned into a full length debate before, this seemed like a shouting match at times. Did you find that this was beneficial to the Canadians who were potentially watching it? Or did you, like Jen and Aiden just uh, alluded to there, found that the style and the format was very combative and it didn't do a service to Canadians? Yeah, I think I have to follow Aiden. Like, I think um, the debate is, uh, I think it's better that Canadians watch the debate than not. But I think, um, you know, like Aiden's saying, I think a long form discussion, I think is probably better suited to discussing out lots of the points of the platform. I think um, maybe an easy improvement. Um, I don't know if the commission would pursue this, but I'm just splitting out different issues on different debates. So I know um, in the U.S. there's been lots of pushes for a climate debate. I think um People, I think, um, clearly care about inflation and cost of living that I think um, I'm sure Jennifer would be on board with the debate on, on those issues. Um, I would say as well, one thing I'll just kind of tack on is I've seen this kind of, I think the kind of the closing and opening statements has kind of fallen out of favor in lots of debates. And I, I found that I really missed the closing statements in these debates. Like, I think, of course, they're going to be canned responses, kind of, you know, it's, it's going to be spin and the people are going to try to spin the debates how, how they will. But um, I think... Um, you know, I'm not a candidate um, in this election. I'm kind of a volunteer. Um, you know, um, I'm a coordinator on the campaign. And I, I think um, maybe my the way I can view myself in the context of this conversation is kind of halfway between kind of a pro and like an average Canadian. And I think um, I can imagine an average Canadian watching the debate um, and just feeling like, bam, like, okay, that's it. <laughs> it's done. And it was just a wash of all everybody's platform, everybody's issues. And there was no closing statements for it to feel summarized for them. And honestly, that's kind of how I felt at the end of it. So I totally agree with what Rob is saying here. And and I think that there's a real salience to this message is that if you have complicated policy, which conservatives do, this was a, this was a really difficult format for you because it's like, let's talk about climate and you've got exactly two minutes to do it. It really works well for the, for the parties that either have really sort of surface 
policy platforms or are still in development of a, of a policy platform. And I think that that speaks to the strength of Jagmeet Singh and, and Anime Paul is that because they were a little bit underdeveloped on some of these issues, they could really hit those key messages harder. Aaron O'Toole trying to explain the environmental plan in two minutes is a miserable experience. I don't even think he could do it in two hours. And so I think that that's where it gets complicated. But I will say that I was very nervous in the first two minutes when they asked those first round of questions because Aaron O'Toole's question was like, hey, you've got a problem within your party around vaccinations. We don't know where you stand on LGBTQS plus. You have issues with climate change. And it was like a five part question. And it was him and he had 30 seconds to respond and I think that the liberal question was like hey if you could be any kind of bird what kind of bird would you be like it was just kind of like a ridiculously asymmetrical way to start the debate and I, I do think that the return from like the 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 opening statement and the closing statement and then dividing having more than we'll one you, debate is so critical it's so critical <laughs> Well, it is nine minutes into the live stream and we've already got our first debate. Rob, go ahead on this one. Sorry, Rob. It's not even really a point a point of debate, actually. I'm just um I'm just curious to get Jen's take on this. Um or should I say Jen or Jennifer? I, it doesn't matter. Maybe with okay, sorry. Um so uh, the, the five point question, I agree that it's a complex question for Aaron O'Toole to answer, but at the same time, do you think it's also an easier question because he can pick any piece and answer that question? No, because the heart of the question, which should have been asked, was who's driving the bus in your party? Is it your fringe members or are you the leader of this party? What can Canadians trust when it comes to the CPC tent? Is it a circus tent or is it a leadership tent? And that's the question that should have been asked. But it was asked in such a complicated way that and you even noticed he did he did actually have to pick and choose and say, like, I'm an ally for LGBTQS plus whatever. And then she had to then like reformat the question for him. And I just thought that that was a, that was a really sort of scary way to, to start that off in terms of what I think was an asymmetric, asymmetrical question. I thought, oh no, how is this going to go? And then of course we all knew that Rosie Barton was going to come out and it was like, oh God, she's going to have her Trudeau pom-poms on. It's going to be such a problem here. So we're not even in yet again, not even 10 minutes in and we're already throwing <laughs> Rosie Mary Barton under the bus. Uh, I want to throw it to Aiden here for a second, because I want to talk about uh, that style of that 30 to 45 second opening statement into a loaded question that uh, while Jen may not think that the liberals did get a loaded question, they all seem to have gotten some type of a hard hitting question. I think uh, Blanchette, Singh, Anime Paul, and O'Toole and Trudeau all got some sort of a hard-hitting question in that uh, opening statement. Do you think the 45-second answer to any question is possible? Because as a journalist, as a former journalist, someone who hates that 15-second soundbite, if you're talking for 45 seconds, you aren't able to talk about anything along with your opening statement. So what do you think about that, Aiden? Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um you know, again, that's why I'm, a, you know, more of a fan of this form of uh, conversation uh, when it comes to politics. Um, you know, I, I think with that first clip, I do think Jagmeet Singh came out with a pretty strong answer because it's a question that uh, him and the NDP have had to contend with time and time again. How are you going to pay for it? How are you going to pay for it? How are you going to pay for it? Um, you know, which which it is. And it's an important question. It's a question I don't see thrown very often enough, frankly, to the conservatives who probably promise uh, corporate tax cuts, but don't have to explain which public programs they're going to cut to pay for them. Um, but I do think Jagmeet Singh uh, came out pretty strong. Um, but yeah, like I don't think any party platform is going to really 
um, be properly explained in uh, like a little 45 second soundbite. Uh, so again, you know, and it's just more commentary on political debates in general. It's not specific to this one. Yeah, I would like to see a different form. But, but I want to talk about that because you had everyone answer a 45 second opening statement. And then you and uh, before we get into this, I should say all the leaders agreed to this while well, their parties agreed to this format. They could have said no. Right. The leaders could have said no. They all agreed to this format of 45 seconds and then a two minute between two people and then a three minute between three people. Very confusing on my part. I think it was a very big disservice from the uh, debate commission to even set it up this way. I like the good old fashioned 2008, 2006 when they were all sitting at a table and it was very relaxed. I know with COVID you can't do that, but this was a disservice. I will say that 2019's debate where they had five different main moderators was worse, but this one was bad. I want to talk, though, about the elephant in the room that Jen and I think Aiden did bring up at the beginning here. Uh, Blanchette, we're not going to spend a lot of time on him because, honestly, he is a non-issue, but he did anyone else in this on the table, and this is an open question to anyone, did anyone else find that his participation should not ever be required at an English debate ever again, moving forward. No, I think he should be there because he is a federal party leader. I just believe that perhaps there should be a greater focus on the moderator to look at the fact of who can form government and how much should those people speak. And I, you know, I, 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 you know me, I can't say that I think all the party leaders should be there and then we should take some away. So I'm 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 linchpin to my own message. But no, I think he should be there. But I think that there should have been a greater focus on if he cannot form government. Then what is the what is the point of this? Rob, I, I agree. With Jen. Sort of agreeing. So there. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I agree. Jen. I think Blanchet should be there, of course. Um, like there's lots of Anglophone Quebecers who maybe vote would vote for um, and feel um Strongly about Quebec's sovereignty. I would say on on his performance, though, I found um, I think um, I feel like I remember his 2019 performance a lot more strongly than this performance. I think he, um, I think I, I would rate him as as, as the lowest. Um, I, I felt like he was, um, you know, it's all, English is obviously not his first language, but I found um, lots of times he was kind of swimming around in an answer, and it, it didn't. I wasn't quite sure where he was going. Versus, I remember him being very sharp and very kind of um, saucy and in 2019. And I don't think I got that this time. And he was on fire last night in the French debate. Like there's mm-hmm. a clear, you, you know, I, I'm lamenting the dismal performance we'll of Aaron O'Toole last night. There, there's something so, so important about what is your dominant language and how can you communicate of in that language? Yeah. Like Blanchette was very strong last night in terms of holding Trudeau to account. And uh, it, yeah, but tonight it was what a mess. Mm-hmm. But he was strong Aiden, in 2019. Like, do you, do you remember? Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Aiden, go ahead. Uh, uh, yeah, I agree with um, with my other two uh, fellow panelists here. Uh, <laughs> that um, yeah, no, I, I think uh, you know if you're a federal party leader and you meet the requirements uh, to make a debate, you know you have representation in parliament. I mean that's you know what was different about Maxime Bernier this time is there is no PPC seat. Um, but you know if you meet those requirements, by all means you should be included in the debate. And I think it you know it's it's good that we do have a French and English one. It's um, 
you know, we have two national languages. I think it is important to, for leaders to be fluent in both of them uh, to make sure we're communicating to all Canadians uh, equally. Um, but it, it is it is weird seeing Blanchett, you know, I'm mispronouncing his name, forgive me. But, um, you know, you have a, a federal debate, a federal election uh, where all the leaders are supposed to be accountable to all Canadians. And you just have one who essentially uses provincial politics rhetoric uh, because they, his party only runs uh, candidates in one province. Um, so, you know, he is sort of an elephant in the room. But I again, I, I don't think he should be, you know, barred from participating. Um, now, the debate night was set into five different categories, and I want to read them here before we start going uh, line by line here. Leadership and accountability, climate, reconciliation, affordability, and COVID-19. I might have got them in uh, mixed order there, but those are the top five uh, topics of the night. Um, uh while I, I followed, I would say, two out of the three panelists here, I have now started to follow Rob, and I'm looking forward to seeing his Twitter exchanges and Twitter uh, knowledge. I do know that Jen was upset that foreign policy wasn't on the uh, one of these topics, but it did get brought up in the first, I would say, 20 minutes, and it was brought up in a very good fashion because uh, the moderator did hold everyone to account there. Um I want to talk about that area for a second before we move on to climate leadership and accountability. How did you find that your leaders and your party, uh, your the leaders of your parties that you're here representing did on this issue? And then we'll talk about where the your where you believe your party challengers fell down. So, uh, Jen, on Aaron O'Toole's performance on accountability and leadership, do you believe that he was able to contray, uh, uh, convey to the Canadians that he is the leader for the next four years or 18 months or however long the next next term of an office is going to be. So listen, Aaron O'Toole's got to find that sweet spot between decorum and the angry politician. And everybody thinks that there are these moments where he needs to stay on the decorum side. But I think in the leadership and accountability portion, there was an opportunity for him to go a little more on the angry politician side, not all the way, because I don't think we want to see that kind of leadership from the conservatives anymore. But um, I thought on the issue of Afghanistan, he was it was not enough. It was not enough. He needed to rail on the prime minister on Afghanistan. That is a bigger issue to Canadians than I think anyone is giving it credit for. He left Canadians behind and and why it was like you can see how mad i am and i've you know i just feel so strongly that o'toole as the only potential leader that has a military experience since lester b pearson in world war one this was his opportunity to say this is not you know i feel disheartened at what happened i feel they had the notice they knew what they were doing get the people out of there and i think i hearken back to last night's french language debate when one of the participants asked the question of my sister's been left behind this isn't a hypothetical now. This is my family. What are you going to do? I think he needed to push much, much, much harder. The silver lining to that is I think he hit it perfectly on China. When the question was asked about the two Michaels, I was very pleased to see it be asked in this section. And I think O'Toole did a great job of holding the prime minister to account. I felt when uh, when Trudeau said, you know, you know, we can't just vote. We can't just throw tomatoes at the party. I think O'Toole should have pressed even harder and said, then what do you do? What do you do? What do the next hundred days do? Tell me how you're going to get these two men home. Tell us all right now and hold them to it. Like really stick them into the 
point. And I think that that's where O'Toole needs to come harder on these issues is where there's real people involved. It's a pragmatic issue. You cannot fall on key messages and your laurels. You need to say, what are the action plan steps? And, and I think that's the, the kind of debate that I wanted from tonight. So I think the, the leadership and accountability section was O'Toole's strongest section. And I'm disappointed that it came first because I think it sort of slid downhill from there for him. Rob, I'm going to let you respond to that. And then I'll ask the follow-up question. Um, how did you fi- find that uh, Justin Trudeau did on that issue? And then we'll throw to Aiden after my next follow-up question with Rob. For sure. Um, so I think like the way I, I usually view um, leaders' debates I'll view them kind of in context of, you know, where, where all the leaders, what are their vulnerabilities, you know, how are they maybe in the polls in the horse race? And I think um, for this section, you know, Trudeau being the, um, incumbent prime minister. Um, if you have a section on leadership and accountability, um, Trudeau has much more of a record to wear than the rest of the leaders. So I think I, I agree with Jen. Um, I think um, as someone who spent a lot of the time at the doors of this election, I think um, a lot of Canadians do care about Afghanistan and they do care a lot about the issue. Um, that being said, I think where Jen's saying that um, she wished she saw more out of O'Toole um, on what he would have done differently and you know what do the next 100 days look like? How are you going to get more people out of Afghanistan? I think all the leaders are hard pressed to do that because I don't think it, it's something that really comes down along partisan lines. Like ultimately, you know, there's the Canadian military that um, is responsible for a lot of this. The the PM isn't isn't um, isn't as active in it. Um, maybe I'm waiting a little bit outside my area of expertise here. But um, at the at the end of the day, I think it's it's easy to criticize on this issue, but it's it's tough to come up with alternative solutions. And I think that's where O'Toole found difficulty. And I think. Frankly, any of the leaders, in, including Trudeau, I think would would have difficulty. Uh, I want to follow up on that because uh, for sure. in the very in the fir- very first twenty minutes, Jen, I'll let you respond after Aiden talks here. After in the first one, uh, 20 minutes, I would say that the first blood was drawn with Annamie Paul and Justin Trudeau going at it oh, around yeah. caucus caucus discipline. Um, Justin Trudeau did throw caucus discipline back into uh, Annamie's. Uh, I want to say face, but it is what it is. Um, did this do what it needed to be done to win over those soft green supporters who are looking for a new home? Because while we don't have a green party uh, representative on the on the line right now, I want to know the greens are looking for a home right now because the dis- the disarray that the party is in. Did Justin Trudeau do a service by getting those greens to come to him in that exchange? Rob? Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I was just going to ask. <laughs> um, so I, I think the answer is um, a little bit nuanced. So I think um, the answer is on the uh, clapback um, where um, Trudeau commented on caucus management. I don't think that that is what's going to bring Greens to the Liberal Party. I think the Liberals' solid climate plan um, is what's going to bring um, Greens over. Um, I think $10 a day childcare is what's going to bring um, Greens over. But I think... Um, what the what Trudeau said on caucus management, what it really served to do is it served to just immediately like blunt any damage that came from um, enemy right before calling Trudeau um, a fake feminist. So I think right there, like that kind of those sort of barb barb neutralized it. I think, um, but where Greens um, that are looking for a home are going to find um, solace in Liberal Party is, like I said, with the climate plan and programs like ten dollar day childcare. 
Aiden, how about yourself on the leadership and accountability? I know that uh, Jagmeet Singh did bring up the name and Anime Paul did bring up the name of the very first uh, female attorney general, indigenous attorney general, Jody Wilson-Raybould. Was this the right move when Anime Paul was bringing it up already and he could have pivoted to another topic about accountability and leadership, Aiden? Um, I think it's a fair point to raise. I mean, SNC-Lavalin was, my gosh, you know, you go back a couple of years. I mean, that was just the biggest uh, story. Um, I do wish, you know, I do, I do think uh, Paul had already brought it up. I think there were other things to talk about. You know, it's a pretty broad issue. And, uh, you know, there's a lot to criticize Mr. Trudeau on. And I think a lot to... Uh, 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 distinguish Jagmeet from him. Uh, you know, when uh, in the issue, you know, part of the uh, topic ended up being about foreign policy. And, uh, you know, like Jen, I kind of wish it would have been, you know, that would have could have expanded on that, you know, dug into foreign policy a little bit more from the party platforms. Um, you know, for instance, I mean, uh, you know, Jagmeet had brought up the point that, uh, well, as far as the Afghanistan situation, frankly, you know, Mr. Trudeau didn't need to call this election is one of the many reasons we didn't need to have this election right now. Um, but I wish he could have gotten a little bit more into some of the NDP's foreign policy trolls. He never gets to talk about that. So, for instance, you know, you look at uh, the issue with Saudi Arabia and uh, the human rights abuses in Yemen. Uh you know, the NDP is the only party that's committed to ceasing the exports of Canadian arms to Saudi Arabia until that comes to an end. You know, that even we saw it down south in the States, uh, America has already uh, cut off their exports. So I think, you know, if the NDP could have talked about some issues like that and uh, some of their plan, that that would have been a little nice, uh, in my opinion. But um, but yeah, no, it's... I, uh, I, I, I do know. know that Jagmeet Singh did bring up the fact that Trudeau was selling arms to uh saudi arabia as well and this was an area that he took a little heat from uh drug did get his punches in there well they probably weren't a knockout blow they did get a few punches in there i do want to throw it over to uh jen here because she has been rolling her eyes left right and center (laughs) (laughs) so jen what would you like to say on this before i do uh move on to the next topic because we are 20 minutes in and we've only got to one topic so i know when you're like this is a half an hour. I was like, this is not a half an hour. Um, I just think that there, there were a bunch of tight corners there at the end when, when we started to cross the divide between foreign policy and, and trying to shove it under leadership and accountability. Like I was at the UN for the meeting that the human rights commission had. And, I, and when the president, Michelle Bachelet talked about, you know, this will not be something that the United Nations can address. This is something that every nation needs to address. And then every nation had the opportunity to speak and Canada, Canada sounded ridiculous and and I just thought, no, we do need national leadership on this issue and we are not getting that national leadership. And I do think it's important that all the leaders held him accountable to that to that standard. Um, that's my piece on Afghanistan. I do do want to wrap around to the piece about Jody Raybolt Wilson. I was I was saying to a, a friend of mine, if you thought everyone was going to talk about Stephen Harper, no, everybody's talking about Jody Raybolt Wilson. And I think you had to get in your your Jody Wilson Raybolt talking points because we do have this book coming out next week. You're going to want to be part of the ebb and flow of what's going to come out next week. It's going to be a rough week for the Liberal Party, and it would be beholden on the Conservatives and the NDP to say this speaks to the character of this leadership. And so I think it's sort of that those preemptive blows that we're trying to make. But I will say, I do think the credibility of the section does absolutely go to Anime Paul. And I think Trudeau choosing to take a swipe at her around, I won't take your recommendation on on um, 
on caucus management. I think him taking, and I hate to say this as a woman, but him taking a really hard swipe, probably the hardest swipe of the night at the only female on that, on that panel is going to, that's going to be tough for him. That's not going to play out the way he thinks it's going to play out. Um, let, let's, just let's, want, let's, I just want to jump in real quick. And go just for say, it. I, I, I think I do disagree with that. Like, I think basically what I already said, like, I think uh, my experience watching it and, you know, I guess like, let's check the bias here, like straight white male, but I guess watching that myself. And again, maybe putting myself in context is, you know, someone who's politically involved, but not necessarily a pro, um, to me, like immediately it just seemed like tit for tat on, on that. And I think a lot of people will view it that way. Um, I think I agree. Like maybe that could be, it could be cut up in an unfavorable way, but I think, um, in context in the debate, I think if you just, if you just let what enemy said lie, like, I think that's a lot worse for Trudeau. Yeah, no, I don't think you, you let it lie, but I think he, he had a lot of choices around this is like pivot out. Then this is the type of leadership I've exhibited, but instead of taking a, a back swipe, it's so out. undue character. It's so undue character for him. And, uh, uh yeah, I didn't like to, it. I didn't like to it. Me, I think pivoting out would have felt like letting it lie. I, I guess that's where, that's where Maybe. I'm trying to get at. But, Maybe. Yeah. Aiden, do you want to jump in here for your last word on this segment before we move into an area that probably Aaron O'Toole probably did not want to talk about this uh, debate? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> so, you know, obviously Trudeau's swipe at uh, her about caucus management was in reference to uh, the issue with the Green Party, you know, the, the inner power struggle they've been having with the, you know, this party executive, like trying to revoke her leadership, trying to call a leadership review, but then that didn't happen. So they tried to take her court to revoke her membership but that wouldn't have still removed her as leader. And they're spending the party's money to fight the leader. It's 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 weird. Um, you know, yeah, that was a bit of I, I did think that was a bit of a low blow on Trudeau's part. Um, but I mean, I don't think it's, you know, I, we're talking about party, uh, you know, discipline here. It's one thing that came up with O'Toole, one thing that came up with Paul. It is I, it's not irrelevant either um, how party leaders uh how their own caucus is uh, is managing because that's you know if they were to form government that's you know how is how is this caucus going to work together for Canadians? Just to add, uh, just to add to Aiden too, I think I think like a lot of what that was in reference to was Janika Janika Aquin um, leading leading from um, Fredericton. Yeah. Um, no, exactly. Uh, let's talk about the climate in the room. It got a little hot when we started talking about climate change. And uh, Trudeau did have probably one of his best performances of the night during this exchange with uh, Aaron O'Toole. We'll start with you, Rob. Uh, how did you find uh, Mr. Trudeau ha uh, handled the issues around climate change? And then we'll go to Aiden, then we'll jump to Jen afterwards. So let's talk about climate change. Did uh, uh, Justin Trudeau do what he needed to do when it came to addressing climate change and his, his government's actions on the issue? Yeah, fr frankly, I think so. I think um, like I was talking with a friend um, while I was watching the debates and um Climate's an issue that I, I'd say, like I'm, I'm most focused on um, as a person. As a person, and um, I think a lot of it, I would say, like, okay, here's the question. Here's where I think the answer should be. And I think Trudeau, in general, was kind of on message with where I, I think I should be. Not to make myself sound self-important, but I think um, in general, Trudeau has to kind of set the frame as I alone can can solve this problem. You know, the NDP and the Greens, they have good targets, but they don't have the chops to meet them. And, and, and the um, conservatives are going back to the Harper targets and the policy they have also doesn't have the chops to meet those targets. And I think uh, he, he was able to adequately represent, represent that, I think. 
Aiden, I want to talk about Singh for a second because he was directly asked this question and I want to see if you can answer it. If not, then we will hopefully be able to get the NDP's answer on this in a short period. Northern Gateway, where does the NDP stand on this? Because it was asked directly to him and uh, there was a very big pivot from Mr. Singh on this issue. So uh, do you know where your party stands on this and are you advocating for the continuation of Northern Gateway? Australian actually in the past uh, did say he wasn't against the construction of Northern Gateway um, as a means of economic development. Um, you know, there there is a fact of the matter, and uh, you know, this is one of the things I talk about. It's look, we got to transition away from renewable energies, and that's the heart of the NDP's plan. But it's not going to happen overnight. And you know what? What the things we can do is, uh, you know, and this is sort of what I talk to people about at the doors is, um, you know, the projects we invest in, like with Jason Kenney, uh, you know, blowing all that money on um, Keystone XL on a gamble that Donald Trump would be reelected. Now, that's not the kind of investments we want to be making. Um, but moving forward, it, what, what matters and what the NDP is focused on is moving forward. I know that sounds like a pivot, but um, in, you know, they're planning to create hundreds of thousands of renewable energy jobs in the next course of the next four years, uh, invest in renewable energy industries, diversify our economy, and really emphasizing that diversification isn't a luxury, it's a necessity. Um, but, uh, but to go back to it, yes, no, Jagmeet has spoken on that before. Awesome. Thank you. Um, Can I just ask a question real quick? I'm just go on for it. Gateway. Yeah. Um, like, so my understanding on the history of Northern Gateway is that, um, you know, Northern Gateway was originally like it was overturned on um, consultation and then it was just never really like along with kind of the tanker ban, like it was just never really reconsidered by private business to take on. So I've seen it. I've seen a couple of announcements on Northern Gateway, but frankly, I've been very focused on kind of ground game this election. Like, is it as anybody proposing to take back Northern Gateway or is this just kind of people are talking about it? Jen, like I, any I, private I, companies, I should say. I don't know about private companies. Jen might be able to answer on the uh, Aaron O'Toole front, but I've not seen anything massive come out from any party saying that they're no. willing to sell it back to any like private organization. Because the table, right? No, I don't. To think my so. knowledge, no. So it is still a government pipeline. Miss <laughs> Miss um, Sanford. You know where I'm yes, going to hit you. You know where I'm about to hit you here. 2015, I ran the, for the Liberals in Northern Alberta. The idea of a price on carbon coming out of a conservative mouth would flip every conservative in their on their teeth. I see the other two gentlemen's nodding their heads, so they know where I'm coming from. Mr. O'Toole said that in April, because he likes to talk about his April plan, he announced a price on carbon. Does this hurt the conservatives when it comes to winning seats or potentially bringing out their vote in Alberta and Saskatchewan? No, what hurts them is that they have a plan they can't explain. That's what hurts them is that this, this, this conservative plan is difficult to explain. So it's so susceptible to like the key messages that, that Rob just swung out here on this, on this podcast that I'm just going to try to just, okay, deal with that. But I think what, what really harms it here is that they can't get it down into the right, into the right mechanisms to talk about it meaningfully. So the first thing is, is that, and this, 
the conservatives know better than this is if you do not answer the question of who is con- in control in your party, you can never talk about anything else. And you saw it reappear when the prime minister said, you know, how can you possibly be a leader in climate change when the people inside of your own tent don't believe that climate change is real? The fact that he let that lie will bug me. It will wake me up in the night and 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 will bug me because it's there is a climate plan from 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 this party. And the way that this climate plan finds salience is to start to use language like, why does the government have to do everything? We have to stop deciding that we have to choose between the economy and the environment. The value here is that our climate plan gives market stability and gives the market something to do in the participatory action to address climate change. It involves everybody along. Instead, he deferred into that very dangerous Western message of, I know you work for oil and gas. I'm not going to make you suffer. You'll be part of the reanimation. And that message is going to be trouble for him in the east where he needs those messages to be different so you watch him in these next two days it's going to be such a dangerous pitfall that he's going to seem like he's talking out of both sides of his mouth now because he's going to have to pivot the message slightly in the east and slightly in the west and that is an unnecessary beast to have to wrestle down because the right message was we have a plan that actually moves our carbon pricing into the market this isn't a circle jerk of of moving money from a price on pollution and back into the hands of people while carbon emissions continue to raise. I see Rob shifts everywhere, but, but I think everyone's raising their hands. We will, we will, I have to follow up with that, but I'm going to let Rob explain that. Wait, 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 before Rob does this, I think it's important to remember that I, I am not the architect of the conservative climate plan. I work in conservation. The environmental movement is my business. This is not what I would have chosen for them. I wanted them far more focused on natural solutions. I wanted them far more focused on capturing carbon at the source and measurement. And so this plan already isn't my favorite, but the way in which this plan was explained tonight did them no service. So let's just put, let's just, just to put a capture on that. Cause I don't want to seem like I'm the ambassador of this plan. This isn't my favorite plan for them. Okay. Rob, let's go. What do you, what do you want to follow yeah, up no, on I, that? I, one? I, I sympathize with, with Jen because I think, yeah, it's a difficult plan to defend. I think, um, you know, as someone from Alberta, you know, like I, you know, I value like a lot of conservative principles. I think one of the principles I value is simplicity and kind of, um, I think for me, like a personal evolution in my politics has been like, I've always valued small government. And I think for me, um, an evolution has been that I think small government doesn't have to necessarily mean just small spending, but I think it can mean simple policy. And I think Jen says, you know, small government's valuable. Why does a small government party producing a carbon tax, which is telling me what I can spend my money on my, for my carbon tax on, you know, like, why do I need the government to tell me what my, what my eligible low carbon savings dollars can go to? Like, to me, this is just a carbon tax with extra strings attached, extra bureaucracy, extra infrastructure needed. And, um, I don't know. Like, it's weird because I think I can see a lot of better conservative options for a carbon tax. Like, if you look at the BC Liberals, they had a revenue neutral carbon tax in 2007. I think that would have been a way easier solution to say, hey, we're, you know, we're going to stop the wealth redistribution. That's something um, that's a common conservative attack of the liberal carbon tax. And they could have just said, you know what, we're just going to cut income taxes instead. And that would have been very easy, very you wouldn't need to be explaining it if you're explaining you're losing and it, it would have been no problem well for them. I'm but... well on the record for advocating for exactly <laughs> for sure. that on my podcast. Yeah, so I know. I wanna, we're, we're pretty I'm sure we agree that. on these issues. But to me, like, it's it's strange because now, like, as a, 
if I'm imagining myself as a conservative voter, the liberal carbon tax to me is is the most conservative carbon policy or carbon pricing policy. So, and I'm supportive okay. of it, like to be clear. But Aiden, I want to jump on, uh, jump in with you here for a second because you, uh, Jagmeet Singh, did hit uh, Mr. Uh, Trudeau numerous times about meeting targets, meeting targets, meeting targets, meeting targets. Uh, he said that the Liberals have not met a target that they have implemented, uh, and then Mr. Trudeau did say, "Well." our targets are 2030 and that's nine years away from here, but uh, you, you did attack him. Uh, Mr. Singh did attack. Did it land? Did it need, did it do what it needed to do when it came to letting people know that the tr- the liberals haven't been the best on the environmental record? Uh, well, I mean, this was the, in terms of, you know, just rhetorically, did it need where it hit to hit? It was kind of hard for anything anybody said to really hit where it needs to hit with people because everyone was talking over each other the moderators were jumping in um but if we could just pretend that we had a nice you know happy debate where people weren't interrupting each other uh, i would think that's a good point to make um you know we've seen you know they we we keep setting these targets but we're not but we're not seeing the realistic actions going to be taken to meet them so the ndp has put forward the exact same targets as the liberals but a more ambitious plan to actually meet them and that's the key distinction that was the distinction uh, mr singh needed to draw and i i think he did uh you know do a good job i mean we did see a little return of the uh uh, his line in 2019 debate, um, you know, the Mr. Delay, Mr. Deny <laughs> line. We, you know, he didn't use a good line. That is, yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, I thought, because he had to ex- distinguish himself both from Mr. Trudeau and Mr. O'Toole there. Uh, and and I, I do think he did just that. Um, I, I want to do open that up to anyone who wants to add anything into this before I do move on. But I'm going to ask the question to Jen here just to get her on record because I love having her on record so I can win a few steak dinners from her from time to time. Mr. O'Toole during the debate said that he has targets that he is going to meet. They are going to be met because they are lower than the current cons- uh, liberal government's targets. They're teeny on, tiny. They're teeny tiny. Does this even play well anywhere? Okay, I can make a target if I set a target like at the bottom of the bar. Like where where was his idea of setting targets so low so he can just say that he's met them? Is that what he was going for there? Yeah, I I don't know. I I don't uh, wasn't my favorite line of line of thinking. I think that there was a far better attack dog there to talk about the liberals. Like how, how, how did it go planting all those trees? Did you get one done? Like, I just think that there was a better attack dog strategy there than there was being like, we've, we've never, I think it was a really dangerous from say you've never set a target. I think, I think conservatives know that the liberal climate plan is a strong plan. I think hitting it on the idea of, um, you know, large federal oversight. Why can't the provinces decide what their carbon taxation is? You know, we disagree. We'll challenge the Supreme Court ruling, blah, blah, blah. I think talking about, you know, giving the market something to do to make this an economic driver, not having to decide between the economy and the environment. I think that was the line of messaging. The minute he started to say like, this man's never set any targets. I was just like, no, 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 because your targets are so crap. Um, so, I, I mean, he earned it and, 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 and Singh did a great job of pointing it out. Um, I want to move on if no one else has anything else, because like I said, I'm just cautious. I've, I've got one more go, thing. Go for it, Rob, and we'll end up Aiden again. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, just something I'll just, um, you know, so constructive criticism, I think, towards um, Mr. Trudeau and my own party. I think um, one thing I would have liked to have seen emphasized more is, you know, 
the liberals Trudeau, like they took real heat for bringing in the price on carbon. Like that was a prolonged, like borderline cultural war battle that they took on. And I think, you know, still um, is. It's, it's, it still is. I would say like, to me, like now that the conservatives have their own, like kind of sort of price on carbon, like they, you know, to me, like it's, it, we're moving past it. And I think that that's a good thing, but I think like an easy response that I would have liked to have seen more um, in, in response to critiques from the NDP that the, Liberals haven't done anything. They've done a lot to, to pull the Canadian public over towards carbon pricing being just, you know, like that's what we do to fight climate change. And that wasn't the case in 2015. And I think taking that political heat is something that wasn't emphasized. And I would have liked to have seen that. Before I go to Aiden here, I just want to say if we had our leaders raise their hands when they wanted to talk during the debate, it would have been <laughs> so much better. <laughs> Aiden, not go think ahead. Everybody last... just had their hand raised the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been okay with that. Aiden, last word for you before we move on to Indigenous. Okay, the moderator will start over talking. People, Aiden, go ahead. Uh, I'll make this. Uh, I'll make this quick. Uh, you know, because we uh, talked a bit about the carbon tax. I didn't really get a chance to get my little two cents, and so I thought I'd just throw that in there. Um, you know, of course, we saw um, the Alberta NDP uh, back. Uh, you know, back in the day now. Uh, we can say, um, implemented a provincial carbon tax before the feds brought theirs in. And so I think the, uh, you know, I think one strength for Mr. Singh would be to kind of talk about, uh, you know, re- relate that to, you know, it was the provincial, the Alberta NDP that uh, uh, that did that well before the Liberals. And they had a provincial carbon tax where, uh, you know, it was the government of Alberta controlled how the retained money collected was spent instead of a federal one. You know, Mr. Kenny ran in the last... Um, provincial election on getting rid of it, knowing full well that the feds had said any province that didn't have a provincial carbon tax would be given a federal one. Um, and so now we have a federal one controlled by Ottawa. Uh, so I think, you know, we gain a bit of, uh, you know, Mr. Singh might uh, gain a bit of advantage by, you know, not being afraid to give a, you know, thumbs up to his friend, Rachel Notley. They're not really buddies. Those two were never really buddies. Let's be honest. I, I'm just cautious of time. I think time it's a great here. messaging strategy, though. Yeah, uh, I'm just cautious of time here, and I just want to make sure, Rob. I know we did say 45 minutes, and we just hit that 45 minute mark. Are you are comfortable staying for a little bit longer talking about this? Because your sure, intro sure. has been fabulous. Um, let's you. let let's start with Aiden on the next topic, which was reconciliation. Um, Mr. Singh did hammer, and I, I keep on saying that because I felt it was a good attack line about bringing children to court, uh, bringing Indigenous children to court. So, Aiden, I want to start with you. Um, how did you feel that Mr. Singh did during this uh, this portion of the debate? Because this is a topic that should have been talked about a lot more, in my opinion, because it is the topic of discussion with the residential school uh, discoveries that we are finding every day, even though it's not making national news, but on, on your party's leadership, how did, how did you feel that Mr. Singh did? Oh, well, I think, uh, you know, because as far as the NDP's messaging, this election has been, you know, as on the subject of reconciliation has been, look, symbols are lovely, but we need actual, we need proper action. We need to actually get things done for these communities. Um, and so that's kind of one of the things he's been hammering away at. So him, you know, he's, he had a great line where he pointed out, you know, look, Mr. Trudeau will take a knee. But at the same time, you know, as he's doing that, uh, public funds are being spent on fighting kids, uh, you know, indigenous kids in court. Uh, you know, and uh, yeah, like 
CBC reported in 2020 that over three million had been spent in public funds uh, since 2013 on fighting these kids in court. Um, so you know, I, I think he did a good job. I think you know, really hammering away at that uh, and also bringing up you know talking about uh, the clean water issue. I mean, you know, my goodness, like we, you know, this was supposed to be solved by this year was the was the promise, um, you know, but they, they underfunded their budget and uh, for it. And as a result, uh, we still have 61 indigenous communities still not having clean drinking water. I mean, this is an important issue because it's essentially our equivalent of the Flint, Michigan water crisis uh, down south in the States. And so, um, yeah, all that to say, I think Jack Mead did a good job. <laughs> I, I think him bringing up the idea of, yeah, we'll go to you next year, Jen, but I just want to bring this in. Uh, I do believe that uh, bringing up the idea of boil water, boil water still being an issue in 2021 was a smart move. And any leader should be doing their damn well best to make sure this is not an issue at the next election. Um Miss Sanford, I have a question before you answer here, before you answer your last question. Uh, during the debate, Mr. O'Toole said that he would raise the flag at Parliament Hill at the Peace Tower to full mass on September 3rd, the Truth and Reconciliation Day. Uh, for me, uh, when I was watching, I sort of had to like gasp for a second because usually you would lower the flag on half mass for a day like that. Was this a fumble on his part, or was this just me overthinking the issue? Uh, you're muted here for a second. I think you've just unplugged yourself. This oh, is the you great thing about being live. Yeah, Things can happen yeah. like this. <laughs> Everybody's dream, the conservative has been muted. So I, So I do think he meant to say, lower i do think he just i think he meant to say lower i i i yeah i i'm not i think he, he meant that. to say lower i i think it was just a gaffe and i'm sure it'll be corrected now but um you know back to what aiden was saying i don't believe that with respect i don't believe that the water crisis is the same as the flint michigan crisis i believe it's far worse i believe it is just like the residential school problem crisis, epidemic, genocide, whatever word is, is culturally appropriate um, that we have in our past. I think, I think that this is the only line that we have here is that the, the tragedy that has become of these First Nations and Indigenous communities is being replicated with generations that do not have clean water in a nation which is known for water. And where I think every political party, I think we have to step away from, 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 political representation here and recognize that there is a moment in every debate where a leader has an opportunity to make a hook to say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this on the first day, or I'm going to do this in the first 100 days. And every political leader had the opportunity to say in the first hundred days of my leadership, when I'm the prime minister, we will have this dealt with. We will either bring in private business to oversee this. We will either strike a deal with these first nations communities to let them own this from their own financial point of view, or I will go in there myself and dig a ditch and none of them took it and i think that that says a lot about the amount of puffery and useless rhetoric that we will have about our first nations communities but when there's an opportunity to make a, a tangible commitment that that the people of canada all all of us as allies now could hold a prime minister to nobody took it and that is disappointing to me as a conservative it's disappointing to me as a canadian rob you follow up on that 
Yeah, for sure. I just say, um, so in my day job, I build, I design and build transmission lines. And as someone who builds infrastructure kind of in Northern communities and specifically in um, Northwestern Ontario, where I think a lot of these remaining communities exist. Um, I think the, the reason, frankly, why none of the other leaders made that 100 days commitment, I think, although rhetorically would be very powerful, and I think a move in the right direction, I think building infrastructure in the north is really hard. Like if you need a water treatment plant and you need to power that treatment plant, you know, with, with what infrastructure, if you're a thousand kilometers north of Thunder Bay, like it's, it's going to be quite difficult. So I think, um, you know, it's a, it's a difficult issue for any government to deal with. But um, at the end of the day, like I think bureaucrats are are likely to overestimate how fast it can be dealt with. And I think that's been a, a problem for the liberals. And I think it would be a problem for most governments, frankly. So maybe uh, actually Rob is making my point because I would argue that maybe this is a, that maybe this is not a job for bureaucrats. Maybe this is a job for the market to come in and have an opportunity to, to do that. We are a country of engineers. We're also a country that figured out how to pull crude oil out of Fort McMurray in 40 or 50 below weather. We can figure this out. Development and government subsidies. Yeah, we can figure it out. We can figure this out. Um, I mean, I'd be, I'm up to here, like the conservative proposal for private management. Um, like I, is, does that exist, Jen? No, but it can. Okay. With- <laughs> what are we talking no, I about mean, then? It's, I mean, it's Jen 2023 about- right here. Yeah, Jen 2023. Before Jen answers, I'm going to let Aiden jump in here because he's raised his hand twice. Because we're following the raise the hand process. (laughs) Aiden, go for it. Um, You know, um, one of the key things about the, you know, the NDP's pointed out, and I think Jagmeet um, has consistently hammered away in this messaging on the campaign is, look, the it's an issue of resources and how much resources we're willing to put towards this. Uh, You know, this was a few years ago. He was asked, of course, a question by a journalist. you know, oh, we, you know, that's a lot of money you're proposing we make. It's like he said, well, look, if it uh, was Edmonton, if it was Toronto, if it was Vancouver that didn't have clean drinking water, we wouldn't be talking about the price tag. You know, we would be talking about getting Canadians drinking water. And so, you know, um, and the, the fact of the matter is the parliamentary budget officer had warned the liberals. They were underfunding their promise by a large, large amount of money. And um so it is it comes down to a matter of resources and um you know and this is what the ndp is arguing um that we need to put forward and so yeah i i think jug made uh, made uh, made a good splash there i, I want to ask this question because it was raised during the debate and i think every single leader except Justin Trudeau pivoted from the question that was asked, and that is around the Indian Act. Um, Would you overturn the Indian Act? And Justin Trudeau came, he was the first one asked, and he said, yes, we would uh, overturn it, and we would sit down with communities. He said communities, I'm not saying communities, but Indigenous leaders, and redraft other templates or other works that would replace the Indian Act. Did Aaron O'Toole, did Jugmeet Singh, and I, please correct me if I'm wrong here because my mind wasn't completely focused because I had a dog peeing on me at the time. I do apologize for that. Did Aaron O'Toole or Jugmeet Singh say anything along the lines of that? Yes, I have new puppies in the house, so they did pee on me. So Jugmeet Singh, so let's start with uh, Aiden. Did Jugmeet Singh say something about the Indian Act, about overturning it, or was it addressed to everyone? I don't remember, and please correct me if I'm wrong here. 
Uh, gosh, this is, uh, I wish I had taken notes like you guys did. Um, <laughs> so I'm afraid I can't, uh, reach any quotes he had nope. said. Aaron, uh, Jen, how about yourself? Did, uh, Aaron O'Toole say anything about that? I think they were, I think there was like Trudeau gave the, the gave the most in-depth answer, but everybody talked about how there needed to be refinement to it. But I, I find that his, certainly my leader, Aaron O'Toole's answer was, was quite loose um, and, and unstructured. And I, I, I was actually quite surprised that they went into such a level of detail in that. So I shouldn't have been surprised. Like reconciliation was one of the five categories, but um, it, it, it was certainly wasn't as well structured as, um, as, as, as Trudeau's uh, would be, but he, you know, the indigenous community represents a very interesting vote. I think we'll all be watching on September 20th to see how, how, um, how that vote plays out. I, I think that they are a group without, without a place to belong right now. So, um, you know, they certainly deserved better from all of the leaders in the debate this evening. The one area I want to talk about before moving on here is the the exchange between Annemie Paul and Yves Francais Blanchet, where she basically Yves said... Yves-Francois Blanchet. Sure. Okay, sure. <laughs> but... Uh, He's not winning my vote here in Alberta, okay? Um, but he, I don't they think you did can they, vote for him. They did talk about racism and systematic racism. Uh, Miss Paul did like basically hand a, like the truck over to Mister Blanchet by basically saying, "Hey, if you want to sit down, I'd be happy to do that." And it did seem like those two wanted to basically go all out on each other. Was I the only one who read into that? that way or was this the overwhelming anime paul taking a hit at the block of there anyone want to jump in on that one go aiden um i'll say this quickly um you know i i i think definitely this kind of ties back to what i was first saying which is you know if we wanted to talk about systemic racism and injustice you know and this is something that uh, you know and Amy paul and many of the others jagmeet saying you know spent well, a good chunk of his life uh, fighting, um, you know, it's something they could talk about. So I suppose I, I suppose the generous interpretation of her comment there would be, you know, hey, we could sit down later and to have an in-depth conversation about this. That is the generous interpretation, I know, but I that's personally, that's kind of the format I would prefer. Um, so I guess that, you know, hit kind of a sweet spot for me. Um, but uh, I'll pass it over to Jen or to Rob. Jen, go for it. Well, I think to be fair, like, like I'm, I'm in Calgary right now. So I'm in this hometown of Madame Premier. And if she, if Sarah Elder doesn't put on a t-shirt, not an insult, just an opportunity to educate yourself on a shirt tomorrow. I don't even know what I'm doing with my life. Whoa, that whoa, was whoa, one whoa, of the. Whoa, whoa. We could do that for the cross border injury podcast. We could be making some money here, girl. <laughs> no way. She'll have, I guarantee you, she'll have an email tomorrow at some point. Um, I thought that that was a, like a stunning blow to him. And I really, he really didn't have quite like, he didn't really have a structured response to that. He was just sort of like, Oh my God, this is getting off the rails. But um, yeah, I do think it was, a, it was a stunning blow from, from, I think uh, uh, an individual from the greens who did an outstanding job of, of debating this evening. Be fair to blush. And I don't think he had a structured response to lots of the questions, but that, you know what, I'll concur with that also. Wow. We, we look at the agreements here, guys. It's great. Um, so I, well, they've I, always I said talk- that Quebec, Quebec brings people together and we're all together that that was not good. 
Um, affordability. Affordability was the last major topic before we get into COVID-19, but affordability, uh, I'm going to start with uh, Rob here because I've started with everyone else and now we're getting with Rob. Rob, I want to talk about affordability. Uh, the inflation was a topic of discussion during this debate. Did Mr. Uh, Mr. Trudeau answer the questions around why things are rising to the senior from, if I'm not mistaken, I want to say Sudbury, Ontario, around why, no, she was the senior. Oh, my God. This is, right, this, the, the inflation question was yesterday in the, in the French debate. Was it? Was maybe, it I missed, maybe I missed it tonight. Yeah, it was, done, it was this evening as well. They asked questions. Okay. It was under the section of affordability. Okay, we'll start with Jen then if you missed it then. So that way I'm not uh, asking if you missed it, you missed it, but I'm also, also speak little... towards inflation, but I might've just, I might've just missed the exact same. But I want to, Mr. O'Toole did uh, talk about inflation. I think he was the first one who brought it up. Jen, um, was this a point of potentially hitting Mr. Trudeau over the monetary policy that he doesn't think about? Yeah, not hard enough. This is another example where I just don't think Aaron O'Toole took it far enough, especially at this point in the debate, when at that point, Jagmeet Singh had really sort of taken the gloves off. And so had Annamie Paul. I felt that there was still too much refinement from from Aaron O'Toole. And let me be clear, like, I don't want him to be like unglued. But I do think that this was an opportunity for him to say, everybody stop, because on the issue of the economy and on affordability, this is where conservatives come to play. So everybody back up for a minute. He had to talk about the state of the union. He had to talk about how many calling cards there are that inflation is going to be the greatest threat to our well-being as citizens in the next two to five years. And it is not tomorrow's problem. It is today's problem. And I think he had a responsibility to first really sort of lay the state of the union on inflation, explain inflation to a lot of young voters who may or may not have been listening to the debate this evening, and then really, really talk about how imperative it is to to have an economically driven focus on inflation and to really hammer home the fact that there is an unchecked process by the current government to 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 inflate inflation to have a real problem with inflation as as, as being a, a crisis in your home and i don't think he took it far enough i just don't think he took it far enough and i think when then when the liberals went on to say like oh but you'll be able to you know do that like he was off and then singh was off i think this was an opportunity for aaron o'toole whether it was his turn to speak or not to then just attack dog it until the section was over and i there was too much refinement on his part oh and the other thing while stupid i think matters jagmeet singh would look at the candidate he was talking to trudeau would look at the candidate he was talking to Aaron O'Toole only ever looked forward. It was odd. It was almost like we had like he was in Edmonton and we like brought him in virtually. It was odd. Didn't you find it odd? It was kind of beyond brand at some point. Oh, stop yeah. it. Stop. <laughs> Robbie raised your hand there because then I'm going to go talk about. Oh, I, I'm just saying, like, I think I think inflation, like I think it's important in that. I think lots of Canadians, um, especially conservative Canadians, are con concerned about inflation. But I think like the reason why O'Toole doesn't go more to bat on inflation is I think we've seen lots of like from Pierre Polyev, he bought his two by four in like March. And he was like, this was twenty dollars. And you know what? Now it's a two dollars again. It's it's a normal price because we're not facing real inflation, or at least we we can't see if we are yet because we're still in a supply crisis like, or, or sorry, yeah, we're still 
like, you know, supply and demand are still very mismatched from the pandemic. So I think, you know, maybe O'Toole, um, he didn't throw the barbs he needed to throw on inflation from a politics perspective, but I think maybe he didn't throw them because he didn't have the confidence he could throw them. You know, are who you wants kidding? to be, who the wants to have their Pierre Polia? The Bank Polia of Canada, no way. Moments. Okay, like, Pierre Polia on his own island, but the, oh, the, but the Bank that. of Canada, the IMF, all these bodies have come out with formal reporting to say inflation is going to dog Canadians. It's going to be a real issue. They've said inflation you add that to ridiculous carbon taxation and you have basic not, household goods that are going it's to be an absolute inflation. challenge for Canadians. Hey guys, we're sounding like we're back in the debate here in uh, Gatineau, and Quebec. I, 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 just to get a bit meta per what like Aiden said at the very beginning of the show, like I don't think this is the right, correct um, format to debate inflation either, but I don't know. That's my take is I think, um, yeah, I don't think Aaron O'Toole had the confidence that he could stand on those points, and that's why he didn't throw them. I think they were uh, just mismessaged. Before I do uh, throw it to Aiden here, I just want to say that we are sitting down with uh, three amazing guests on the Cross Border Interview podcast live broadcast of the post debate. Uh, Robert Trump, who is a volunteer organizer with the uh, Liberal Campaign in Calgary Center, Aiden uh, Thoreau, the Fort Saskatchewan Sherwood Park NDP candidate and conservative like me podcast host, Jen Sanford. Uh, Aiden, I want to talk about housing for a second because this was a point at question right to uh, Mr. Singh about would you help uh, young people getting a house or would you help the seniors who are potentially looking at selling their houses to retire somewhere else? Uh, It seemed like he was uh, wobbly there for a few minutes. In your opinion, did he do well and did he answer the question that was asked? Well, I want to first say I didn't wasn't a big fan. And, you know, and I think Jen and I have both had some couple of issues with Rosemary. Um, I wasn't a big fan of how this question was asked, frankly. Um, it was framed as, do you support the young people or the old people? You can only pick one. And I, I just I, I think that was very disingenuous framing. I mean, the idea that they're only young people are the ones renting right now. Only young people are the ones moving. Only young people are the ones in the housing market. I think that's absurd. Um but, uh, you know, and Jugmeat's answer was a little wobbly. I, I thought he could have gone a little harder. I thought he could have talked about, you know, the affordable help, you know, his affordable housing strategy isn't just for young people. This is about helping seniors. This is about lowering the cost, the ho- cost in the housing market across the board. I mean, that is the point of an affordable housing strategy. And, um, yeah, it's so it, it was an odd question. Um you know, he could have gone a little stronger, I think, uh, in uh, uh, advocating for his main flagship proposal on housing, which is uh, building 500,000 affordable housing units across the country. Uh, this this topic, like you said, it seemed like there was a lot of push and take from Miss Rosemary Barton on all the leaders, even the liberals. I know some people might not think that Miss Barton is uh, hard on Mr. Trudeau, but he she did go after him after uh, the true moderator almost forgot to let her ask Mr. Trudeau the question. Rob, I want to ask you the question about affordability and Uh, Did Mr. Trudeau do damage to himself when he answered the issues around borrowing, around potentially having uh, more cost of living increases here, or did he do what he needed to do to answer the questions? So I think at this point in the debate, like I think a lot of it was just kind of washing over me. So can you can you remind me kind of what, what you're thinking in Trudeau's answer? 
Uh, Trudeau talked about how he, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong here, mm-hmm. because my mind's getting a little fuzzy right now as well. Uh, there was a lot of talk around uh, inflation, but also how Mr. Trudeau has helped the people of uh, Canada ensure that their cost of living doesn't increase. Right. And Mr. Trudeau did and- talk about all the programs that he was implement- introducing. Yeah. And just like, just correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not trying to play nope, into what Jen was saying and just like spit out like talking points. But did, um, like, did Trudeau pivot? If you if, just remind me if I'm correct, did Trudeau pivot to um, child care on this point? I think he, if I'm I, correct, he did. Like, I don't I think, think he addressed housing he as did. much as I think he, other. no, he pivoted to hell, uh, child care and talking about uh, Mr. O'Toole's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think like that was probably the right way for him to pivot to like their big play for affordability um, to be frank is, is on childcare. And um, I think that was the right thing to pivot to. Okay. Jen. Oh, I, thought I would like to uh, yield my, I would like to yield my time back to Aiden actually, because I, I actually wrote down the second question that Rosemary Barton asked while Jagmeet Singh was trying to answer the first one, which I thought was super disingenuous. Um, but he, she asked the question, I thought maybe Aiden could address this. There has been so much of a big focus around getting young people into housing, which I don't disagree with, but the question that always gets asked, and I think conservatives are, are, are trying to answer this question is how do you push young people into the market while keeping the equity of existing homeowners to get the true value of their own home? Like how, how does the NDP actually reconcile that? Could you maybe just answer that? Because Jadmeet Singh certainly can't. Um, see, it's a, it is a good question. Um, what I would say is that I do think the NDP does have a strong, I do think they do have a strong proposal to get young people into the housing market um, in terms of a lot of what they're proposing. Um, you can go into some of their platform proposals, du- doubling the first-time home buyer's tax credit, Um I don't know if I have a good answer, good enough answer for that question. I must admit. No, understand. Could you tell your just a, could just you just tell come your in and help out. I think I think could the NDP. Leader? I think the, like the NDP would they not respond with um, fifty? What was it five hundred thousand new rental units? Would they not? Would they not say that that would add like downward pressure to housing prices? But they also talk about home ownership. That's the thing because I that, always and, think about rental market too, right? As, true, as, true. As but thing. more and more renters. More renters means less buyers, but then more support for more first-time buyers passes yeah. that out. Would that not be the the right answer from the NDP, in your opinion, Jen? Well, in terms of like low, in terms of lowering the cost of the housing market, that is the that is the central pl- point of a uh, national affordable housing strategy. I mean, five hundred thousand additional uh, affordable renting units uh, is sort of just icing on the cake in a sense. It provides immediate relief to a lot of uh, families, but it also is going to lower the cost, major costs of the housing market. Um, I don't know if that was kind of the the answer, sort of to the question you were getting at. Again, I, I apologize. I, I guess my I, frustration is that that is that Jugmeet saying is in Burnaby. And as someone who has just moved from the lower mainland, we know that the big issue there is foreign ownership. We've got, we've got condo towers in Vancouver that are completely empty, but fully owned. And so when he talks about, like when he talks about moving people into housing, I get it on the rental side, but when he talks about it's, it's when he talks about ownership, the question is always, how are we going to pull all these people into home ownership without destabilizing those people that are trying to hold on to their existing home equity? 
And I think that that I would love to see the NDP get really, really, really tight on that messaging. I actually think that would be you know, a great, and you know, conservatives, we always want the NDP to be strong because it hurts the liberals, right? Splits the vote nicely. So Aiden, please take to your homeland, your home, your, your home leader, the idea that getting tight on, on the key messaging around home ownership, I think is really something that actually might have a tremendous amount of resonance, especially with, with young people in, in major markets like Vancouver, um, you know, the lower mainland, even, even pockets of like Edmonton uh, and, and, you know, further west. Or east. Uh, I just want to make sure that we get into the last subject here. The last subject, which was COVID-19. And let's be honest, I'm pretty sure everyone had tuned out by the time Evan Solomon had gotten up because it became a who could talk over everyone else in the last 10 minutes of this debate. And it became even worse to manage and understand. Uh, I will give a sort of a brief uh, moment to each one of you before we uh, wrap this up. Uh, how did your leaders do on the issue around COVID-19. Let's start with Rob and then we'll go to Aid, and then we'll go to Jen and then we'll talk about the winners and losers. So Rob, how did COVID-19 play for the liberals in this uh, debate? Yeah, so I'm just going to do a little bit the same as what I did with the last question. So just to make sure I'm answering this correctly. So I, I remember Evan Solomon's question being kind of a, it was similar to the question to drug media was, how are you going to pay for it? Right. And I, I think, um, true to answer that. How well, are you going to pay for it? And how now, none of what, the leaders have a credible plan for how they're going to pay for it at this point. And I think Trudeau, um, you know, he didn't buy into that format, that, um, that framing. I think it's a, it's a bad framing for Trudeau. It, it frankly, for anybody but O'Toole, it's a bad framing. And even for O'Toole, it's probably not a great framing. So I think he did a good job in not buying into that and just saying, you know, we're going to focus on recovering their economy. We're going to focus on moving Canadians forward out of the pandemic. And that was, that was, I don't know, that's the right answer. Aiden, uh, Mr. Singh did talk about how he did help or he did push for the Liberals to do more uh, when it came to CERB, when it came to CRB. Was this uh, moving the dial a little bit for them or was could he have gone a little bit further? Well, I think the I mean, you could always go a little bit farther, uh, but I think it was really important that he brought that up because here's the thing, you know, CERB, CERB was a help, was a lifeline for many millions and millions of Canadians uh, during this pandemic who lost their incomes through no fault of their own, you know, people who lost their small businesses and the plan only came around because the NDP held that balance of power and was able to get the Liberals to come to the negotiating table. Originally, what the Liberals had wanted to do was extend, just extend DI, which would have left millions of people uh, completely uncovered. And then he, you know, also brought up the fact that when they did negotiate on CERB, their Liberals' original uh, proposal was one thousand dollars. Well, I don't know about you, but if you lost your entire income for your family, uh, you know, a thousand bucks a month the cost of living. Now we, you know, talk a little about inflation. That's that doesn't really cut it um and so yeah i think that was a really strong thing to attack him on jen how about yourself uh mr o'toole was asked point blank uh what policies would he continue and i think it became a fight between who was going to cancel what programs first between justin trudeau and aaron o'toole uh this is a losing issue no matter who you are did o'toole uh, win the night when he sort of didn't answer the question without answering the question? Well, no, because at this point, and I did keep track at this point, there were 14 attacks that were made against his, his, his five point plan, which is really all he comes to the table with and 14 unchecked attacks at 
that point in a two hour debate, that sucks for, for anybody that sucks, no matter what party you're affiliated with. So again, once again, it was second verse, same as the first, we saw it all the way, come back around to like, who's, who's driving the bus in your party, a lot of early attacks and easy attacks there. No surprise from the prime minister saying, how could you even talk about a credible plan on vaccination when people within your own party aren't even vaccinated and you won't make them be vaccinated. You know, he's got to get out of this, who is driving the bus on his own party so that he, he can talk about COVID recovery. He has some good things in his plan. The problem is, is that he, he crossed this sort of invisible meridian um, about an hour and 40 minutes into the debate and spent the last 20 minutes basically doing public relations for the plan. Canadians aren't going to finish the debate and be like, I got to get my hands on this plan that he kept repping for this entire debate. Canadians aren't going to go read the plan. So if you can't get the plan into one or two key messages, you've got a problem. And you know who could have taught you that? Stephen Harper. He did the very same thing. And that him so dearly in 2015 and then of course the piece de resistance when he's like i also read the liberal plan and on 14 on the page 14 they promise this and then they don't they won't be able to do it a great rep for someone else's plan so i think by the time we got to covid recovery even though i think that there was such an abundance of key messaging for him he was so off the rails on his messaging i think he honestly just got tired i, I honestly um so I, I you know i'm really really disappointed in my own leader uh, in terms of how he addressed this covid section first of all i think covid should have gone up at the beginning because we're dealing with COVID right now. And, uh, and I, I, and I think he should have been far more prepared uh, to, to answer the, the, the basics of, of, of the question being asked, which I do think on behalf of Evan Solomon was kind of a softball. Uh, Rob, I'll let you answer and then I'll give it to Aiden. Then mm-hmm. I'll have to uh, finish up this. Uh, this okay, I, I was just going to respond to Jen. Was that, was I supposed to respond <laughs> to a question? No, no, we already talked about okay. that. So if you All I was going to say is just, just to bring it, just to bring debate. it full circle, like, Sounds good. Just to bring it full circle, Jen, do you think like O'Toole was fishing for kind of a closing statement and he wasn't sure if he was going to get one? And that's just kind of that's just kind of where he went to in his head because he knew it was kind of getting to the end. I do agree that everyone should have been given a closing statement just to wrap up the crazy because it was so off the rails by that point. Um, and I do think obviously there should have been more than one debate so that we had a chance to really unpack these issues. I share Aiden's concern that housing should have been its own flipping debate right? Cause it falls into how we live and quality of life, right? Mm-hmm. Falls into affordability. Um, you know, I, I don't really know what happened there. I, I, I think that there, you know what, I don't like, really know what happened there. Like, and do you I think don't he have was thinking excuse. there's stuff I still got to get in and I got to get this in before the end of the debate. Like in the, for example, I watched a lot of the Dem, Dem um, primary debates leading up to 2020. And a lot of those ones that they kind of started axing the closing statements. And I think in those ones, maybe justifiably because they were all the same in like every single month. And plus they had those ones though. I always notice they'd love, yeah, exactly. And they would ask the last question and everybody would just always pivot though. No, like this is, I'm going to go with my closing statement. I'm not going to answer the question. You know and what? Do you think I'm, that's what O'Toole was doing in the last session. You know what? I'm not sure because he did the same thing in the French debate the night before. Right. It just the last question sort of fell apart on him. So I don't I don't know whether he was just trying to pivot into his strongest messages. I don't I do. I think he thought he was going to have more attack options. I think he might have underestimated how hard uh, Jagmeet Singh was going to attack. Uh, uh, the prime minister. So maybe he was just kind of trying to find his footing, but it, the, the last question fell apart for him on the French debate last night. And I, I saw a little bit of the same tonight, a lot of the same tonight, actually. Aiden, do you want to throw in your last words here? 
Um, I suppose on the last topic of uh, COVID recovery, one thing I would have liked to have seen from Mr. Singh a little bit more uh, was he, you know, he went very hard attacking Trudeau and, you know, fairly so. And I think that, uh, you know, that all had its benefits. Um, it would have been nice to see him distinguish himself more as well from the other party leaders, particularly from Mr. O'Toole. Um, you know, I think, um, you know, he did a really good job of that in 2019 of distinguishing himself from both of them. But I felt in this, it was just, he was just acting as an opposition to the prime minister. And uh, it would have been nice to see him uh, kind of distinguish himself both from the liberals and the conservatives a little bit more. Um, but again, like my uh, friends here have said, it's um, that last topic was uh, just madhouse. So, <laughs> Okay. So we are going to do a rapid fire round Robin here for the last three uh, questions. And I want your honest and I want it within 30 to 45 seconds as the leaders did get. So that way we can get uh, wrapped up here. Um, winners of the night. Who was the winner in your opinion? Rob, we'll start with you. You know what? I should really have a, a better canned answer um, for this, but I, I guess like I'll, I'll just try to view this in context. I think, um, you know, O'Toole, O'Toole, I think has ran like a, a pretty good campaign so far, or at least the campaign has gone well for him so far. And I think he had an opportunity to kind of really solidify that tonight. And he didn't. So I think I'll, maybe I'll say in that light, Trudeau, Trudeau's the winner. He like, he remains kind of, they remain in the fight. Aiden, how about yourself? Um, well, you know, it's, um, uh, firstly, I have to say I'm, uh, you know, just politically, you know, policy aside, um, I do find it sort of impressive that Mr. O'Toole was able to, I mean, you look at where the, the polls were at the start of this election, you, you know, leading up to it and why it was called originally, um, you know, and it looked like it was just going to be a liberal cakewalk. And he's sort of been able to salvage that um, uh, his situation for himself and his party and kind of rebrand himself um, in a pretty short period of time. That, that takes a lot of skills. Communication student, I, uh, you know, I have to tip my hat to him a little there um <laughs> but well, winner of, of the night yeah 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 um in terms of the winner of the night um personally again you know i'm obviously biased uh but i gotta give it to my boy uh jug meat i mean look i i think you know there were a few areas where he was a little bit wobbly or where he may have uh, could have gone a little bit farther or could have pulled it back a little but overall i think he did what he needed to do he distinguished himself from the liberals um, you know, he kind of broke through that lie that, you know, NDP and the Liberals are just the same, uh, same uh, thing. He actually brought up the fact that on many issues, the Liberals and the Conservatives voted with each other in, in this last uh, session of Parliament. Um, yeah, no, I, I think he had a really strong night. Miss Sanford, who, who won the debate tonight? Uh, without a doubt, Rosemary Barton. I don't know what party she's running for, <laughs> but she's really aggressive. She's going to do great. No, but the, I, in all the honest answer, <laughs> in all He's seriousness, running a write-in campaign, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> the the write-in, yeah, no, uh, in all seriousness, you know, I don't think um, anybody did themselves any harm. Um, I think everybody could have done better, but I have to give it to Annamie Paul. I thought that she really talked about how her she herself had to climb over hell to be to be where she was. I think she held her ground really well. I think if you consider the, the weakness of her party platform still, because they really do run on environmental issues and they don't have a whole like if you consider the lack of depth to her plan, she brought a real piece of substance um, to, to the debate and holding people accountable. Uh, one of the things we should all remark on is that she was the only candidate that was up there that when she spoke was not interrupted. 
And I think that that, that speaks to the, to the series. I'll be interested to now see what the green party is going to do with her because she really did make her party proud this evening. And I think that there's, there's gotta be more to come from the internal politicking of that party. They might actually pay for her ticket back to Toronto center. Yeah, exactly. Put her on a bus. Aiden, Aiden, go for it. I have one question actually just in response to Jen. I agree with all of what you said there. Um, do you think though, cause you mentioned uh, she wasn't interrupted. Do you think if she was doing better in the polls or if the other parties maybe perceived her as more of a, a, a political threat, do you think maybe she would have been interrupted there? No. And in contrast, I think she was interrupted quite a bit in the front, in the French language debate, if I remember correctly. Yeah, she that was- is true. That is, I will give that to Rob. Um, um, but, I, but I would say like, maybe just one question, just to like kind of suss out Jen's, Jen's answer too. Do you think like, do you think enemy did enough kind of in context with like the greens? Like it's obviously they've had a, they've had a tough year, but like, do you think she did enough to kind of turn that around? And like, is, if she didn't, is that, is just, does she still get like, should she still get the winner? Like, do you think? Yeah, I think the big question here is, is who is everybody debating? Right. Um, mm-hmm. I think, um, a good amount of people on that stage were debating for the job of prime minister. Um, Yves-François Blanchet was debating to prove that Quebec has to be part of all these debates and we all have to suck it up in the West. But I think Anime Paul was really debating for her own job. She was she had a different goal to show her party that I can bring dignity and I can bring leadership and I can bring a voice um, that that's crisp and clean to the debate stage and everybody get out of my way to let me do that. So I think she was debating for different purposes, but she does have some strong candidates in, in this, in this race that could hold on to a seat. And I think at the very least, we want to see the green party hold on to party status. And that feels so ironic to say, because the big issue here is climate, right? It is such a big issue. And yet the green party, you know, stands alone on, on, on the, on the climate issue. And yet we're just hoping that they maintain party status, which for the record, I hope that they do. Well, they would need 10 more seats to remain party status. So let's hope they can get that that magic 12 number. Um, One last, my very last question. What's next? What's next? What do the party leaders need to do between now and next Monday or the 20th? Because they have 11 days with 10 days if the audio version comes out. Aiden, what does Jugmeet Singh have to do between now and September 20th to ensure that the momentum that he might have for coming off of this debate continues, but also picks up more seats than the 24 he currently has? Well, currently in the polls, uh, to have, him, have the NDP projected to pick up a good chunk of seats. Um, Jugmeet's, I think, really, in a lot of ways, he's got to keep on doing what he's doing. But I think he also does have to distinguish himself a little bit more from the conservatives that he's been doing, because it's the campaign seems to have been largely revolved around Justin Trudeau. And, you know, in some writings, I think there's definitely benefits to that. But I think in, in terms of the broader perspective, I think he would benefit himself from really distinguishing himself, not just as an opposition party, but as, you know, a, a, um, a real substantive option different from all the other guys. Jen, what about Mr. O'Toole? What does he need to do between now and September 20th to make sure that he gets the keys to 24 Sussex on September 21st? He's got to calm down. 
He's got to get on message. He's got to be able to talk about these big issues in a more saliable way. He can't say like, let's go to the plan. Everybody go check the plan. He's got to be able to talk about this is the state of the union of where we are today. This is where trouble will brew. This is how I will mitigate trouble for you. And then he's got to get out to the West and he's got to get out the vote early and early polling. He's got to sell to the West where we have all these other fringe voices, the argument that I am your best chance to form government. I may not be your best choice. I may not be your first choice. I hear the drumbeat of all these other conservative like parties. And I'm telling you, I have the best chance to be the prime minister. This cannot continue with this government. And he's got to start to hound on that message. He's got to go West in early polling. And then he's got to go East for election day. And Mr. Rob, uh, what does Mr. Trudeau need to do to keep those keys and make sure Aaron O'Toole becomes a one-term leader of the conservative party like Andrew Scheer? Yep. Um, so I think um, what Trudeau needs to do is he needs to recognize um, the Canadians, they care about stuff like climate change. They care about stuff like childcare. They care about getting out of this pandemic in a prompt manner. And I think what he really needs to convince Canadians is just really reiterate, I alone can get this done. You know, a vote for the Conservatives risks progress and a vote for the NDP risks the Conservatives. And I think that's really what he needs to lay in and just maintain and get back to 2015. Awesome. Um, we are now almost at the hour and a half mark. And I told Rob we would be 45 minutes, but here we are. Um, for the Three nine podcasts. people who, who who stayed with us the entire time, thank you so much for tuning in. To my listeners and to my viewers, uh, greatly appreciate it. But I will say this, as I've said at every episode, end of episode, please, 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 please get out, get educated, learn about all the candidates in your riding and vote 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 if you do not vote i do not want to hear you complaining on election after election day i do not want to see you on twitter i do not want to see you complaining on facebook social media tiktok snuggle puss whatever the new social media platform is going to be in the next year and a half but do get out and vote advanced voting starts on friday which is tomorrow which is for the audio version it's today uh aiden best of luck in the rest of your campaign rob thank you so much for doing this jen always a pleasure have yourself an excellent rest of the night guys and we will be back saturday with the green party representatives for calgary forest lawn and calgary uh calgary shepherd shepherd uh talk to you later and see you live noon on september 11th talk to you later guys The Ballot Box was produced and edited by Miranda Brown and Associates Incorporated.